From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, Mr. Rob Roop, thank you very much. I am Mike. It's Mike Davidson lives. Thanks for joining me this go-round, uh, recording this late Sunday night. And, uh, yeah, I usually kind of do this in a quiet voice anyway due to the fact that I have family sleeping, but my voice sounds like absolute shit because I've got laryngitis. It's been great. Um, I, I contend it's allergies. My wife says I've got a cold. Either way, it sucks. Uh, I, I felt all right-ish. I mean, I, I had a sore throat Thursday night into Friday. Saturday, I popped some uh, allergy meds, felt great, and then I went out and mowed the lawn, and that's when everything went to crap because everything, uh, all the pollen and whatnot in the lawn just tore my voice up. And I've been resting it as best I can. This is about as best as I can sound, and I was going to do this regardless, so bear with me. Uh, hopefully... Uh, I don't have what happened to me back in college. There was only one time I can think of uh, where laryngitis really did do a number on me, and that was back uh, in my freshman years at CRD down at Ball State. I was on air and I was talking, and I, I my voice was beat to crap. It was even worse than this, and then all of a sudden, it just I could not emit a sound, except maybe a gasp. Yeah, so. Uh, that was fun. Hopefully that's not the case here, but uh, if not, it's going to be a short podcast. So, uh, it, it was kind of a weird weekend, uh, and it was not the best weekend because of this. And, uh, you know, as, as a father, as a parent, you, you always want to, like, go out and do something with your kids, especially when they're young, to kind of build up a memory uh, and just, just to... Have something that you can look back and go, oh man, that was really cool, right? Well, uh, <clears throat> that kind of fell apart yesterday. It's the first weekend of October, as you know, uh, the spooky season. And we wanted to go out and get our pumpkins. Uh, me, Lana, and Hazel, Logan, and uh, my wife kind of lo- watching, living vicariously. I think next year Logan will get a pumpkin. But, you know, the girls want to paint theirs. I want to carve mine. Uh, we're going to do that later in the month. Keep the gra- uh, pumpkins in the garage. But uh, there's a place uh, just east of Fort Wayne that we you would normally go to that was uh, pretty cool. That you'd go out there with vine cutters, you cut it right off the vine. So you know it's not one of those things that have been kind of lingering in a grocery store uh, refrigeration warehouse or wherever they store these things. Pretty damn fresh. And you know we got up, we were excited. There's even signs that were up saying pumpkin sale. Uh, pumpkin spelled with one P, by the way. Uh, and we just assumed, okay, it's this place, but apparently it was another place because once we drove up to the farm, it was like right out of vacation. Sorry, folks, park is closed. Only uh, park is closed forever. I guess the uh, people that own this particular pumpkin patch uh, decided to hang it up after last year. They retired, so no cider, no pumpkins, nothing. I think I was more upset about it than the kids were. And then my wife's like, well, there's this place out in Ohio that's pretty popular uh, just across the border. And uh, we were going to go to that. And she goes, okay, what's uh, what's the admission price? And uh, for anybody over three and up, about $16 a person. That does not include the price of purchasing the pumpkins. And you know how things are economically speaking. You, you want to save some cash where you can. And you don't want to get uh, gouged if you can avoid it. So... 
Uh, we ended up going to this uh, this place just north of Fort Wayne, and uh, we got some pretty decent pumpkins. I think it's going to be all right. But it sucked. And I, and I, and I admitted to my wife uh, this evening, it was just like, I think I took it harder than the kids did. I mean, they were disappointed. I mean, I remember Lana going, aw. But, man, I was just like, no, fear, stupid. Uh, but we got the pumpkins, and uh, despite my voice, uh, despite the Colts losing today, I was able to go out to the front yard and get some of the other Halloween decorations up. So we're mostly ready uh, as we uh, enter in the holiday months of uh, you know October, November, and of course December down the road. Uh, kind of a um, uh, I don't I wouldn't say a holiday, but basically an anniversary of uh, the unfortunate passing of Tom Petty died five years ago. Can't believe it's already been five years, uh, but uh, he passed away, uh, and uh, I, I can tell you, man, that dude still missed to this day. In fact, uh, uh, one of those uh, group rock shows, uh, not a couple days back, uh, Eddie Vedder and Stevie Nicks did "Stop Dragging My Heart Around" on stage. I don't know if they did that uh, because of this being the anniversary of Tom Petty's death, or if it was just because hey, Stevie Nicks and Eddie like Stevie. They did it, and I guess knocked it out of the park for the audience. Uh, you know, the one thing I remember about Tom Petty, not that we were close because we never met each other, but um, <laughs> um, I, I remember going to one of his shows uh, at least 10 years ago. Uh, it, it's probably closer to 12. And, uh, you know, here's a guy that's performing in his 50s. And he is truly one of those guys that had music that just crossed generations. Like, you knew who this dude was. And he did have a good reach to younger audience members. Because we went to uh, uh, Verizon Clips, Deer Creek, whatever the hell it's calling itself now, down in Noblesville, uh, me and a group of friends. And 75% uh, of that audience had to be at least under the age of 30. Like, there's very few old people there. And Tom Petty has a pretty good old person fan base. But there was a lot of young people there just excited to see Tom Petty. And, of course, once he took the stage, the whole place reeked a reefer. Uh, but they were there to have fun. And, uh, you know, he's a, a great showman, great songwriter, and we need more dudes and dudettes like that in the rock scene today. Now, uh, as I alluded to, my Colts uh, botched a game at home uh and now they just suck. They lost to the Titans, who are not great. Uh, but a very interesting day, uh, weekend of NFL action. Uh, I guess, uh, uh, first off, uh, there was a shootout in Detroit, man. Uh, the Seahawks held off the Lions, each team, like I think, scoring north of 40 points. This is like Tecmo Bowl stuff right here. Uh, Gina Smith having kind of a career renaissance with Seattle, it looks like. But uh, receiver T.K. Metcalf, who did have a great game, uh, from what I understand, uh, he was carted off the field late. And if you're a Seahawks fan, you got to be saying to yourself, oh, no, what, what the hell happened? And uh, they're trying to get uh, uh, an idea of his medical situation. And uh, the sideline reporter, it might have been a case of TMI because she said uh, he's being carted off. You know, in one of these cards that they use when somebody has a concussion or a broken bone or whatever, he was being carted off to the locker room so he could use the bathroom. And, of course, uh, social media didn't make fun of him at all for that. At all. No, no, no. We're, we're way too mature for that crap. Um, but, 
Yeah, so uh, he was carted off uh, because he had a potentially ruptured ass. Uh, he didn't want to crap himself. He's got to contend with that. There's no amount of playing hard that's going to shake that rep. Uh, but uh, that's something that uh, DK Metcalf is going to have to uh, deal with for a while. Now, in a more serious uh, situation where there was a stretcher uh, and a, a player being carted off was a Thursday night football, Bengals and uh, Dolphins in Cincinnati. And uh, Tua Tungalolova, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, he, uh, he he took a hard hit. He had a concussion. Uh, he got knocked hard in a game or two previous. And, uh, you know, he's back out on the field in Cincinnati for the Dolphins. And he get he gets hit hard again, and he's out. And, uh, you know, just, just somber. And they take him to the hospital. And uh, thankfully, he uh, he was going to be all right. Uh, he had a neck brace just as a precaution leaving with the team. Um, but uh, it had the NFL uh, under the crosshairs again about you know, safety when it comes to concussions. And, uh, you know, they fired their consulting doctor, uh, who uh, pretty much gave them the second opinion, saying, yeah, Tua, Tua can play again. Oh, well, now he was he got it wrong, even though it's the team that uh, went to this guy for the opinion to begin with. And pretty much gave them a, an opinion that they probably wanted to hear. So now the NFL's like, well, what more can we do? To limit concussion. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, the answer is there's probably not a whole lot you can do um, because as uh, as bad and as nasty as those injuries are, uh, players are going to find a way around them. Coaches and owners too. And, uh, you know, the NFL probably try to pass more rules to make them look better, the organization, the league. And everybody, you know, the owners will be like, hey, look, we took care of the doctor that gave us this uh, opinion that was way wrong, but we never questioned it because we wanted to win. Um, and, and again, the doctor, necessarily not a good guy here, but the doctor's a fall guy because uh doctor gave them the news they wanted to hear. And it's just kind of, uh, kind of an example of uh, science not always being right, especially in the hands of certain scientists. Doctors are kind of scientists, right? Kind of. Excuse me, I want to try to keep my throat as hydrated and as uh, lubricated as I can here. So that's what's going on. Um, some big news in the ter in terms of late night television uh, involving Trevor Noah of The Daily Show. He announced Thursday uh, that uh, he was leaving the show after seven years. And, uh, you know, he's pretty much making it look like it's on his own terms and uh, he wants to uh, you know, there's a speculation that he might be dating a certain pop star uh, he wants to get back out and do stand up he wants to make a movie about his life or something uh, yeah everybody wants to make a movie about their lives I guess um, but I, I found it kind of weird that he's announcing this his departure uh First of all, September 29th, they record Monday through Thursday, right? They, that's when they do the Daily Show. Uh, September 29th, September 30th would have been the end of the quarter. And most businesses usually make business decisions at the end of the quarter. So they probably decided, hey, Trevor, uh, here's your deadline. And, um, you know, I, I kind of found that out the hard way in my previous vocation. 
Uh, so there's that. And I also found it very weird that he's wanting to get back into stand-up when you're making money in one location each night with the audience coming to you, not you seeking an audience. And I also found it kind of weird that, you know, uh, The Daily Show being the political platform it is, the, you know, it's a, a pretty left-of-center political show uh, that they're deciding to just that he's deciding not to do this anymore uh, just weeks ahead of the midterm. Found it all very weird. And, uh, you know, this is going to be kind of speculative. Uh, borderline conspiracy theory. And you know how I feel about conspiracy theories. I really don't uh, buy into a whole hell of a lot of them. But it got me thinking why they would do this. And I kind of came up with an interesting hypothesis so hang tight as I go through this now I gotta read some stuff uh, uh, pertaining to all this when Noah came on in September of 2015 his first episode was like three and a half million viewers which uh, was about the same as John Stewart's final episode of the Daily Show right however where the Daily Show would average about a little north of a million uh, viewers nightly with uh, John Stewart his final year uh, it, it became increasingly obvious that the show was losing viewers I think that uh, it only had like at one point in the last sh uh, last season 383,000 on average as a 65 percent drop in audience and uh, this is kind of a thing across the board with late night television. It's not as influential as it once was, and The Daily Show isn't what influential as it once was, because everybody's doing what Jon Stewart did when he took over The Daily Show back in, what, 99? Um, you know, everybody's political. Stephen Colbert's audience is down 31% from 2015. Jimmy Fallon's down 64% from 2015. Jimmy Kimmel is down 54%. And those are just the 11 o'clock guys. And, you know, Trevor is the 11 o'clock guy. He's lost a lot of audience. So he's going. And, you know, the the Daily Show, like I said, is left the center, but it's run by a corporation that likes to make money from its audience. And uh, it doesn't matter uh, what the politics of that organization is. They want to make money. So does that mean it's the end of the daily show well no not in this reboot heavy culture that we live in and not in one that's uh, nostalgia driven as our culture is because people have fond memories of the daily show and watching it with john stewart so there's going to be a soft reboot of the show i'm thinking hold tight this is where it gets interesting who would be the host you would think you ask yourself because okay trevor's leaving how about one of the other correspondents that are on the show now? Well, they're all right, I guess. That's what an executive would say. I, I don't know if I would say that because I haven't watched The Daily Show in forever. Um, I'm just, it's not a show made for me. But I guess they don't go with those guys. They're not going to go back to Jon Stewart because I think Jon's done with it. Uh, Stephen Colbert made the jump to CBS. And even though that he's lost a chunk of his audience, it's still significantly bigger than The Daily Show. I'd have to think that Colbert's pretty freaking content where he's at. Uh, one name 
kind of came to me as I was doing dishes this morning. Uh, you know, try to clean the house because my wife's at work. It's Sunday. I'm just, you know, I, I think about things like this. Samantha B. Yeah, her show, uh, Full Frontal, uh, it was on TBS. It got canceled after seven years. Um, as did Conan O'Brien's show. You talk about a guy who star fell drastically. You know, there's a guy that was given the keys to the Tonight Show. And he ends his uh, show on TBS after it gets dwindled down to half an hour. Yeah, and not a big audience either. You know, and, and Samantha B's show got canceled. And you're thinking, well, God, you know, she got canceled. She had low ratings. So did Trevor. Why would they bring her on? Ah, the, she was a, a correspondent when John was on. You see what I'm saying? It's that nostalgia thing. And they're like, well, you know, she's at her own show. She's done the Daily Show as a correspondent. Why not make her the host? Have her hosted. And, uh, you know, have the naysayers say, well, you know, she can't get good ratings and, you know, just poo poo it as sexism or whatever. And then when she comes back and gets uh, slightly better ratings than Trevor did, you could say, hey, it's a rebound. Look at that. People love her. See? Now, I could be totally off base on all that stuff, and if I am, feel free to call me out on it, but uh, I think that's what they're going to do. Samantha's on the job market, and I think secretly when she got canned at TBS, you know, and they're looking at their ratings, they're, they're thinking, well, this is the problem here. we got to go and get her and kind of give ourselves a little boot, boost, because uh, Trevor, we, we, can't, we can't say this to his face, but he's just not working out like we wanted him to. It's, it's something to kind of keep your eye on. Uh, and I again, it's just a theory, just something that uh, I think is going to happen. Uh, kind of a wait and see type of thing. Uh, but uh, a big story there. And, you know, that's the other thing, too. I, I kind of got into some uh, quibbles online with people. And they actually, when I bring up the fact that Trevor Noah did not have great ratings, they're like, oh, where are you getting these numbers from? You know, everybody watches them. Everybody streams them. There are people that think that uh, The Daily Show has millions of viewers, and it's just not the case. You know, they had a few million viewers when Jon Stewart was the host in its prime. But, again, things are dwindling. You can say politics is a, a big driver of that. But, you know, there's other outlets for uh, viewing and entertainment and getting your information from. I mean, there's tons of podcasts out there. <coughs> yeah. So there's that. Um, one director just shamelessly came clean about something that I think we all suspected here. Uh, and that is uh, Colin uh, Trevorrow. He is the uh, director of the last three Jurassic World movies, the follow-ups to the follow-ups to Jurassic Park, which came out in 93. And uh, to this day, Jurassic Park as a movie, the first film, is fantastic. Um, I know I didn't get a lot of love from some critics in terms of character development. Uh, I think it's underrated in characters. Uh, but uh, it, it still stands the test of time. The sequel's not so much. But, you know, they, they make a buttload of money. But uh, Colin Trevorrow said in an interview that uh, this is a franchise that shouldn't be a franchise. Like the sequels, they're kind of pointless because they're about dinosaurs. He said this uh, with a straight face. Um that he made the last three. But he's right, because you think about it, what gets greenlit by a movie studio is not the same thing 
that gets greenlit by an insurance company. I mean, let's, let's talk about if Jurassic Park actually happened. And you uh, have this dry run of the park with these experts. And people end up eaten and killed by dinosaurs. How in the hell do you think to yourself, okay, this is still a manageable thing. Let's open up a, an amusement park and have even more people eaten and killed by these dinosaurs. I think it would have been a more interesting movie had they uh, uh, made a sequel to Jurassic Park where it said there's dinosaurs. You just have for hours these insurance executives arguing about uh, how this is a disaster and how this can never get made and like you have some smarmy guy going, come on guys, we can make money. And at the end of it, somebody just jumps out a window and there's your violence. Uh, you know, you have this written by, like, Vince Gilligan. Uh, you know, it's kind of that dark humor thing from Breaking Bad. You throw in David Mammoth, because David Mammoth can, like, throw in some F-bombs like an artist. Yeah, that, that should be the movie right there, because it makes more sense. You're just making Jurassic Park over and over again. By the way, uh, Colin Trevorrow did say, though, that there are more Jurassic Park things in the pipeline because this thing makes too damn much money and uh and he, you know he's shameless he'll he'll direct them he'll make them um he, yeah whatever uh i will say this the lost world uh the one that uh, had jeff Goldblum and uh, vince vaughn and uh julian moore i didn't think that was all that bad uh it, it was probably one of the more believable sequels to dress Park because well there's a second testing site let's uh let's go there and uh, retrieve whatever and uh that made a little more sense than, okay, we're going to open up an amusement park, even though uh, our first stab at this was a complete disaster and we're idiots for playing God. So there's that. Oh, uh, a couple things uh, on the entertainment kick here. Uh, Dahmer on Netflix, of course, still uh, generating controversy. I don't think I can bring myself to watch this. But just before I uh, uh, came up here to do the, the podcast, I had to check it out. I no, well, I didn't watch the full episode. I, I just watched the first eight seconds, like literally the first eight seconds of Dahmer on Netflix. I was not disappointed. I'll tell you what happened. Uh, you know, I just I let it roll. I pushed pause, and I took a video or not a video, but a picture. Dahmer is rated TVMA, which is not surprising to anybody because it's a movie about a homicidal cannibal, as opposed to the uh, peaceable cannibals out there. Rated TVMA for substance abuse, language, violence, nudity, gore, sexual violence, smoking. Good God almighty. You know, is that the worst thing you think that happens in this miniseries? Somebody lights up a camel. Oh, no, this is a bad influence on any of the kids that might be watching. You know, if somebody's that gullible to start smoking because they're watching Dahmer, I'm, I'm afraid they're more gullible to start doing other bad habits that are in this movie, and I'm not going to allude to them much more. Uh, also, uh, this weekend, I guess, uh, I, and, I, and I say this sincerely, even though uh, she's annoys the hell out of all of us, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow turned 50, or is about to turn 50, so happy uh, 5-0, Gwyneth Paltrow. Although she did it in the most pretentious way because she is Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, she had herself uh, photographed partial, fully nude 
but you know things obscured tastefully it's one of those tasteful nude pictures and most of her was spray painted gold for some odd reason and I'm just thinking that the next candle that comes out is going to have a very unique uh, smell and uh, you know, look to it but there was a, I was reading this article and there's another picture of her just like it was a black and white photo of her running across the yard jumping in a bikini and she actually looked happy and I'm like well that that seems like a more genuine picture of Gwyneth Paltrow why don't why don't actors and actresses just do that shit instead of this pretentious stuff where it's like, well, yeah, I gotta be naked with paint on me. Okay. It's a little safer than uh, this little gas bag in uh, Phoenix. Um, he's in the hospital, critical condition. Yeah, now I hope he pulls through, even though he's a complete moron. Uh, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, he was, uh, his car caught on fire. Authorities got there, and, you know, he's talking about how this car was stolen, and they're trying to get it back, and blah, blah, blah. What turns out what happened was uh, there were grocery bags filled with gasoline in his car and somehow the car ignited. Even though he told the officers that these were the super strong uh, grocery bags, which I have no idea what the hell those are because, I mean, what, the, only, the only grocery bags I've ever dealt with are the flimsy plastic ones that break apart uh, if you put more than three items in them. Uh, is he talking about, like, the paper bags? He couldn't be talking about the reusable uh, the potato sack bags. I didn't know there was such a thing as super strong grocery bags, but apparently he found them, and they still uh, caused his car to catch on fire. I can't believe I have to say this. Uh, gas goes in the gas tank of your car. Maybe that two-and-a-half-gallon thing you get to fill up your lawnmower, that's it. Do not put it in a goddamn grocery bag, for the love of God. Pretty scary stuff out there. Now, um, also scary aside from the fact that I'm about ready to lose my voice, I uh, said last um, last podcast that you know since we're on spooky season October, I think yeah I'd wrap up each podcast with a reference to a scary place, and you know I need all the help I can get you know to help scare people. Uh, sure. Uh, so I, I put out feelers, and uh, Jeff he's out in the, the Buckeye State just next door. Uh, he obliged, and I thank you, Jeff. He's uh, the first one out the gate here. I guess this is in Williams County, Ohio, Nettle Lake. And it's uh, it's uh, haunted by ghostly sounds. Uh, uh, what what I got here is a brief description. I, and I try to find more on the Internet about this, but that's you know, the thing about, you know, things you hear, things from, from other people. Uh, it, it's just, it's kind of, you know, folklore and legend and you know there's nothing really substantive to it uh, but uh, from this web website this one paragraph the ghostly sound of an Indian drum can be heard before thunderstorms the drum belonged to a man named Sam Coon who used the drum in order to summon the spirits of dead Indian chiefs in an attempt to find treasure hey this is the, before the time of metal detectors everybody uh, when Sam died, the drum was found busted. I try to find more about this guy named Sam Coon, but uh, uh, no, no dice. But you know, I would think that if a, if an Indian ghost or or uh, an old prospector ghost was going to haunt you with drum sounds, why before a thunderstorm? Why not on a dark moonlit night or something? You know, because thunderstorms themselves are scary. You hear thunder, it's like wow. I mean, a drum before thunder. Seems like a little much, like it's too much, right? Um, 
and I, and I don't know why he needs dead Indian chiefs, Sam Coon. I don't know why he needs these Indian chiefs to find treasure unless these were like pirate Indians. That would be interesting. I mean, kind of like, you know, ghost pirates in South Park. You know, you have these pirates in the mountains. You have pirates in Ohio on this one lake. <laughs> yeah, I just have to uh, try that out. Oh, by the way, you know, speaking of that, uh, I tried uh, unsuccessfully to scare my kids. Okie Pinokie. Uh, when we were down there at the Apple Orchard in uh, Miami County, uh, that place is haunted. It's outside of Peru. I mean, they, they say that there's like Indian ghosts there and it gets real creepy at night. We were going to go there during the day, but, uh, you know, when we were standing in the trees, I was going to be like, you know, they say there's ghosts out there, right? Couldn't do it. You know why? Because the place is haunted by dipshits who pollute and uh, leave their trash all over the place. They have closed Okie Pinokie to car traffic for the next five years because of this and they'll revisit the policy later on but yeah people you know, like it goes right up to the uh, I think the Mississippi River and people just leave their trash everywhere and like hillbillies will like just throw trash on the banks because they're too lazy to go and find a dumpster in town not that I've ever done that mind you yeah be nice to the environment so I can scare my kids please thank you all right, uh, I'm going to go and try to rest my voice. Maybe I'll sound better for the next podcast. Until next time, uh, stay fresh, cheese bags. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live.